The More Music Breakfast Show. Welcome along on this chilly morning in Darwin once again. I've got Shane Howard from Goanna. Welcome to Darwin, Shane. I don't think I've ever been this cool in Darwin ever. I know. Well, the coldest day was 14.2 degrees, and that was in 1984. I was here for that. Okay. And we had a bit of a pub crawl, actually. Yeah, right. And we okay. went around with, with beanies on and puffer jackets. <laughs> because cold. it never gets that cold. Yeah, Not in town. no. no. Well, uh, even um, we came to hear from uh, Rockhampton in Queensland, mm. um, top temperature for two days we were there was like 13 degrees. <laughs> in Rockhampton, it was bizarre. In the I tropics, know. you know, it was pretty bad. It's a bizarre cold spell, isn't it? It is. And we're just not used to it. I mean, no. we've never had to turn on the heater in the car before. Well, I, I've still got a jacket on. That's pretty nuts, eh, for Darwin. <laughs> sure I, I don't think I've ever worn a jacket up here. Well, you strategically placed yourself and the band up here at the right time of the year anyway for the big 40th anniversary concert on Saturday Absolutely. night at the Entertainment Centre. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it. A long time since Goanna's been back here. I think the last time was actually 1983 yeah. in the wake of uh, that Spirit of Place album and, of course, that massive single uh, from the album's Solid Rock. And nothing much has changed down at the uh, Gardens Amphitheatre down there, where you would have performed. It's, it's still uh, still all um, going along. And uh, the amphitheatre, does it get much action these it days? It does, it does. Uh, although the, the days of taking your own esky along and at the end of the concert pouring the ice out on the hill and riding the esky lid down the hill. That's all gone. That's all gone. Yeah. Now you've got to pay about $13 for a beer now. And yeah, that's yeah, about right. it. Yeah. But you must have fond memories of those days back in the 80s. And... I suppose the rise of uh, the metriotic rise of the yeah. band you know, throughout the charts. Yeah, look, careful what you wish for. You know, you dream of those things. Um, but when they happen, I didn't honestly expect that it would happen with so quickly, mm. and I didn't expect that it would happen with a song like Solid Rock. I thought it's a pretty heavy song, you know. Um, Did you have to beef it up a bit? Or was it just... Well, no, it was just... Um, it was what it was. I Look, we made the record to the best of our abilities. We had a great producer, Trevor Lucas, who came to us from Fairpool Convention Mm. in England. He was married to Sandy Denny. So Trevor understood how to make records with a folk-oriented rock band. Um, And I guess that's the skill he brought to uh, the production. Uh, And Tony Butel, the engineer, was a drummer, so he was very meticulous and particular about the drum sound. And, of course... That worked for Solid Rock. Um, I, I didn't think it would be commercially successful. I thought we might get a bit of airplay yeah. to travel to Sydney as a band, which we hadn't done. Um, but the, do you think it's the message, though, in the song that helped? I think it was a lot of things. I, I think it probably took a, a long while for it to sink into mainstream Australia, what was really going on in the background of that song. Um, I think every Aboriginal person, First Nations person in the country got it first go. Uh, and went well, first time knew exactly what the song was talking about, um, but it was a well-made thing, you know. Forty years later, when I listened to that album and that song, uh, there's a 26-piece string section from the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in the background of that song. Most people probably don't know that, but mm. we didn't have uh, synthesizers <laughs> in those days. No. It's a it's a string section, um, you know, with big double bass bottom end, violas, cellos, everything going. It's a big sound and um, uh, it's a great drum noise, like I said, a great drum groove using the toms. I was very keen to kind of use the toms as a kind of feature part of that song to keep it really grounded and earthy. Um, It all came together, it all worked. 
Uh, it's a great riff. You know, some some things come together and they fall in your lap. But I was at Uluru in May of 1981 and that's when that song emerged for me. It came from real and lived experience. So, um, but musically, um, yeah, great riff, a great groove. Um, some things come from you and some things come through you. It was just meant to be. It was very, very well aspected. And would I be correct in saying, as a mu- musician, uh, the longevity of the song mm. uh, must be very satisfying when you can put pen to paper and write a song, get the mm. band together, and it's 40 years later, it's still revered. It, it's um, it's quite humbling, really, to think of a song that you think might, you don't know it's going to happen, it might or might not blow away in the wind. or, um, But all these years down the track, that has been so um, so loved by mainstream Australia and so loved by Aboriginal Australia, Indigenous Australia. Um, and in a way, the song has become a bit of a bridge between worlds now. I, I, I'm i a kid from a little country town of 300 <laughs> people. It's a lot to... Um, it's a lot to um, to process, really. It's uh, so yeah. I feel very honoured. Look at the same time what the song was about and what it was saying. It was calling for change. It was calling for an end to. Uh, it was actually it's a statement that song. There's nothing in there. Even forty years down the track, there's nothing in there that is not true. Mm, true. Captain Cook did yeah. lie. Uh, there was a great lie told in this country about Terra Nullius. Um, the first two verses really talk of the beauty of the country and the beauty of tradition, culture, Aboriginal people, around uh, about the dawn of time, you know. Um, and then the third verse, those verses came to me ostensibly from a, a, the journey to Uluru and experiencing in my ceremony cultural experience in 1981 and meeting First Nations people, Anangu people from uh, Armada and Pinjara country. And APY country, and um, and I just happened to intersect at a time when there was a group of people from Armada and the Musgrave Rangers reconnecting with country, and they were also uh, they put up a little canvas tent there and started selling carved artifacts, mm. um, uh, and that was the beginning of Marikou Arts, which is still going today in Mutajulu, out of Mutajulu, and uh, mm. selling to the world and. Um, selling from the west, the whole Western Desert. It's a lovely story. It's a lovely moment of synchronicity. Uh, Rini Kulicha, I met her father there at the time, um, beautiful old man, and a fellow called Peter Yates. Rini Kulicha, is the, it's her painting that adorns the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Yeah. There's this lovely circularity, and there's lots of lovely stories that intertwine all the way through that solid rock story, actually. Are you optimistic about the future? I wasn't. Uh, when John Howard came to power, I'd have to say I lost heart. I saw great advances being made with the Marbo Judgment, the Redfern's, uh, Keating's Redfern speech, the mm-hmm. Native Title Act. I watched all my original brothers and sisters, Titters, um, Archie Roach, Treaty, um, Yutti Yindi, everyone, taking off Kev Carmody and heading off around the country and around the world, really gaining traction. The 96 election, I would have to say, is a, is a sad moment in our Australian history. It all came to an end when John Howard came to power. And the tragic moment at that 97 Reconciliation Convention in Melbourne, 
which is supposed to be a reconciliation convention, and John Howard was banging the lectern and describing his 10-point plan, and Aboriginal people turned their back, and I went, mm. um, a stone wall had gone up. Um, we were f- The river was flowing, and suddenly there was a dam in the way. And, you know, we lost, I think we lost the best part of a quarter of a century since then um, to a cult of forgetfulness, what Bill Stanner calls the cult of forgetfulness. We just didn't think it mattered, or we deliberately obfuscated. Terrible things got said about the Native Title Act when uh, that government came to power. Uh, Tim Fisher, to his eternal shame, saying there'll be bucket loads of extinguishment. Uh, These are not not noble words or noble gestures. They're not generous. And you can never forget that the prosperity we enjoy in this country comes on the back of an enormous amount of Aboriginal suffering and misery. Now's the time for truth-telling. It is. Now's the time for treaty. But do you think our First Nations people have to be truthful to themselves about where they are at the moment as well? We still have lots of violence up here in Mm. the Territory. Um, Mm. Things aren't good. That's true. And uh, we all have to face ourselves. We all have to face what kind of a future do we want to build for our children and our grandchildren? What kind of a country do we want to become? But I always say you have to go back to first premises. And the first premise is that we have to examine ourselves as non-Indigenous people and say we have benefited from theft. That is the first premise. You can't get around it. There's some hard things we have to face up to. We stole someone else's country. We didn't declare war, but there was a kind of quasi-war. We've, there's never been a suing for peace. There's never been a treaty made. I think we have to get to hard truth-telling about everything, put it all on the table, all our failings, black and white, and we have to get to, um, to truth-telling and then we have to work out a treaty. How are we going to live together? How are we all going to prosper together? The benefits are there for us mm. all to share and enjoy. I see it in my journey. I see... Yeah. Pro- I see um, we all, I, I see lots of my very conservative um, friends who are watching NITV and being very moved by what they see yeah. as they suddenly get a window into an Aboriginal world and an Aboriginal reality. And they like it. They do. Yeah. Look, Aboriginal, the Aboriginal world, in a traditional sense, has no Socrates or Plato. There's no, not the same premise for Western thinking. At the same time, a lot of those old elders said to me, you know, Moses, Ten Commandments, Aboriginal law, same. You know? Yeah. It's pretty much the same premise that we have. We're all human, deeply human. Um, but, uh, it, um, you know, uh, Miriam Rose, you know, um, Senior Australian yes. of the Year, she says that um, um, an event in traditional, in a traditional world, an event takes place when everybody that needs to be there is there. Not when the clock says it's you know, 10, 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. or yeah. whatever. I, there, that's one small example of a different way of seeing time and a different way of seeing country and all that. Um, I think it was Bill Stanner, the anthropologist, who said you could not find two more competing ideologies than traditional Aboriginal philosophy, cosmology mm. and spirituality and Western capitalist mm. thinking. So 
you know, that's our challenge. How do we bring these two worlds together and make... Uh, I am optimistic. At 67 years of age, I go, yeah, I have to be because I have children and grandchildren. I believe we can make a great country. I believe that we can truly be the nation of the fair go for all of us equally. We shouldn't have so many Indigenous people, young people in detention. We shouldn't have so many Aboriginal people incarcerated. You know, we have to lift each other up. Um, I come from a people, an Irish people who were colonised for six, seven hundred years. Mm. Um, and that is a very debilitating process, you know. And it was done, the lifting up was done through education, through that kind of empowerment and through the arts, I've yeah. got to say. Um, so I think that march has begun well and truly. Um, 40 years from solid rock. Um <laughs> You know, it's, uh, what are we now since the referendum? You know, it's uh, 50 something years, mm -hmm. you know, since yeah. 55 years since the referendum. I think so. When Aboriginal people were counted on the census then in the, right, 70s, in the 70s. So, yeah. so you know, like, it, it, like there's... 78 it was, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, like they're, um, they're terrifying numbers when you realise it's in our lifetime and not that mm. long ago that this process um, of really opening up our society to Aboriginal people and allowing Aboriginal people to open up to us as well. We, it, we have to meet halfway. It can't just be um, about Aboriginal people coming into our Western nah. paradigm. It's got to be... And we don't want that. No, we've got to share the story, share the country. We've mm. got to find ways to do that beautifully, meaningfully. I, like I've been there, Greg. I've been on this incredible journey, solid rocks through me head first into it. Yeah. I oh, know it's been an amazing journey. It has. And I mean, the treasures that um, that Aboriginal people have shared with me, it's as simple as respect for each other and show respect, you get respect. And my children, my grandchildren, you know, we walk across the bridge between worlds freely. Well, an interesting message, I tell you. You're here during NAIDOC week as well, which is extra important. Mm. Uh, and, of course, performing Saturday night at the Darwin Entertainment Centre yeah. and reliving some of those great songs. Yeah. Uh, through our, an iconic album. And before you go, I just have to ask you about that album cover. Yeah. I mean, that was that commissioned? No, it's a long evolution. Goanna was the Goanna band. We had our own, we got an old building, an old double-story building in Melbourne, really cheaply. It was very run down. Mm. And so we, the owners gave it to us very cheaply, but we painted it, we did it up, and we had our own rehearsal room in there. The crew had their own room. We had our own art room. Out the back in the sheds, we printed all our own posters and T-shirts and stuff. We were very much a kind of collective. Um, wasn't quite a Paris commune, but it was on the way. Uh, yeah, and um, it was very democratic. So that those all that artwork, we po went out at night and we put our posters up on the streets. It was very much a collective action. Yeah. Um, and the, those posters evolved over many years because you've got th about three seconds to capture a car, fly a driver flying by in a car to capture their attention. So there's an evolution if you see the history of our posters and one day maybe we'll get to exhibit all those. Yeah. Uh, a woman called Judy Keneally was central to the design elements uh, of that. Um, but they came together through um, a number of people's inputs um, over a long period of time. Mm. And that album cover is the evolution of a lot of years of work. And um, But it stood the test of time, really. 
Well, if you had an album collection mm. and you had the vinyl all up against the wall, mm. you'd always put that one at the front because it, it it looked great. It looked like the country you were living in anyway. Exactly, right? that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. We were defiantly Australian too, Greg. We wanted to make Australian music. We were, And it wasn't that common really back in those days. But there were other champions like Red Gum, Midnight Oil. Mm. We were part, I think, of an era where the Hawke government came to power in 83 the Franklin River was saved. We were part of what I would call an era of Australian self-confidence. Mm. Uh, men at work were really successful in America, you know. In, um, in excess, yeah, late, a little bit yeah, later on. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it was fantastic being a 20-year-old up here in Darwin. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, when the vinyl used to arrive by mail, it'd because be of the heat, it'd be warped. <laughs> so we used to have these big lead weights on the turntable to kind of flatten out the album. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're good old days. Yeah. They were a lot of fun. Hey, Shane Howard, thanks very much for joining us at Territory FM and uh, Saturday Night Entertainment Centre. Relive 40 years of solid rock. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for letting me rave on.